Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Yesterday, we started looking at the, the goodness of God, and uh, if you were listening, we quoted uh, a man named uh, Stephen Charnock several times, and we, we love offering you book recommendations because all of us have been deeply transformed and shaped and changed by uh, the reading of good books. Stephen Charnock is a, is a man we'll probably reference again today, but he was one of the Puritans. Um, and uh, Puritans, regardless of what you've heard from other sources of media, they were good guys. They were not bad guys. <laughs> they, they were not the, the type of uh, the bigots that the media presents them to be. In fact, I, you know, I was on a thesaurus one time and I was looking up the word prejudice to try to get a different word and the word bigot came up and the word Puritan came up in that same, <laughs> in that same read. Isn't that unbelievable? Um, yeah. Crazy stuff. Anyway, so Stephen Charnock has a great volume called the existence and attributes of God. They are two volumes. They are really heavy reading, but so good. And if you want to know, um, God and understand how these attributes work together better. That I, we couldn't recommend that book more to you. And you well, have an easier one too, don't yes, you? Yes, I was going to say we were talking about this. You know, some of those chapters in uh, Sharnak's book are a hundred pages long and and uh, very detailed. But there's a new book that's come out published by Mark Jones, who we hope to have speaking next year at our conference. Um, but uh, it's titled "God Is." A devotional guide to the attributes of God, mm. and it's a wonder. It's a wonderful book. It, you know, the chapters are not a hundred pages long; they're just a, a, an easy read. But he uh, distills some of the best of that theology, that Puritan theology, for us. Mm-hmm. That's great. And he actually co-authored a book with Beaky on a Puritan was, theology, right? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, our Joel Beaky was our speaker last year. Yep. Yep. And uh, and Mark Mark has agreed to come. We just uh, will work out the dates for 2019. I can't wait. That's gonna be so great. All right. So we've been looking at God's goodness. That's the attribute that we're on right now. And as we've said before, uh, that there's a doctrine, duty, and delight to each one of these attributes. Uh, yesterday we defined God's goodness as His eternal aim to promote the happiness of the universe, or the His disposition to promote the happiness of other beings. And I love that definition. So then, uh, brothers, what is our what is our duty in light of God's goodness? Well, of course, our, our first duty um, in, in light of God's goodness is to, to delight in God's goodness, mm. uh, to, to know God's goodness, to, to meditate and, and learn of God's goodness uh, so that we become saturated with it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, of course, secondarily, uh, we we are to do good to others. Uh, but I think it's important that it begins with delighting in God's goodness. It's because it's not just a matter of, well, God is good, so you be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the gospel. 
even though uh, even though a lot of uh, uh, a lot of sermons and perhaps some of mine can be can be boiled down to um, and Lord forgive me uh, can be boiled down to God is good so you be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know the gospel the gospel is that God has been good to us in Christ, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah. by faith then we are transformed and but able to do and and enabled to do good to our neighbors. But it begins with um, contemplating and, and knowing and delighting in the goodness of God. Maybe the psalmist said it best in Psalm 34, and, and this is one of those verses that I feel like I know, but I really don't know. Like I w- really wish I understood it more fully where he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is yeah. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Mm-hmm. And you kind of feel like you, you know what the psalmist is saying, but that your life is just a, a mere scratching of the surface of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and that really taking refuge in who he is. Um, so I, I, I can't stress enough or reemphasize what, what Phil is saying and, and the fact that we need to just kind of hunker down on delighting in the goodness of God um, and staying there a while, resting there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then from there, do what he said. Yeah. But you have to start there, I think. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, you know, in, a, in one way, we do this when we come to the Lord's Supper, when we come to communion. Um, you, we're... we're in that communion, as I think it was Sinclair Ferguson, he says, we don't get a better Christ in the communion, but we might get him better for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in which um, now we're, we're tasting and touching and handling these things that, uh, to explode our senses, to recognize the suffering of Christ, what he's done. We recognize God's goodness to us in Christ, delivering us in, in such a way and then the response from that, which is to, is, is simply this desire to learn his ways and uh, his command for our very life. Uh, the psalmist also says in Psalm 119, 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Mm-hmm. I want to know these because you are good and do good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament in the book of Micah um, this is what Micah 6, 8 says, he, and that's God, he has told you, oh man, what is good? So here, here it is. He's going to lay out what the, mm-hmm. this duty is. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Mm-hmm. I just want to focus on one thing in there, which is the, the idea of loving kindness. He could have just said, do kindness, but he didn't. Yeah. He said, you have to love kindness. And, and, and certainly you've been the recipient of mercenary kindness before, right? Where somebody is going to show you kindness because doggone it, that was just their duty and they got to do something nice. And, and what happens is if you're aware, you, you kind of you can see through that and know that, man, they're just doing these things because they're kind of doing it in a hypocritical way. And I know that I've been guilty of the same thing where I'm just going through the motions. That's why Micah 6, 8 here says, no, no, no. What, what goodness is, is loving to show kindness because that's, what, that's how God works. God, lo- God doesn't begrudge showing us kindness. He delights in showing us kindness. Mm-hmm. The other part I think of, of the duty 
with regard to the goodness of God is to be able to have a, a spirit of submission, um, to be able to truly say that God does good all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want that to, to sound belittling to those that truly have hurts and hardships and struggles and, and difficulties that they've had to live through. But at the end of the day, God does good all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think the duty or the delight of, of goodness is, is coming to that point of faith and, and submission and trust and saying, no, I really do believe it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't feel it right now. My experiences tell me differently, but to come to that point in the midst of the storm and say, God is good. Mm-hmm. And it, it drives me nuts when people use that um, flippantly, um, when life is going exactly how they want and they say, yeah, God was good. And I want to mm. wanna say God is always good. Yeah. There's a Even lip. when cancer is, is, at, is, yeah. is, is right there, when, when your, your life is in turmoil, you've lost your job and finances are out the window, God is good right there, right mm-hmm. in that moment. He didn't change. Um, we might experience that goodness in a different way. So one of my pet peeves is when people flippantly say God is good only when they think life matches their expectation of the definition of good. And that's why we have to actually speak to ourselves about this. There's a little liturgy that goes, God is good all the time. And then, then the other person says, all the all time, the time God, is God is good. Mm-hmm. And God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. Mm-hmm. And we, we constantly affirm uh, God's goodness to us as, as believers. And sometimes we don't really get a good picture of that goodness until we see it in Christ Jesus. We need a specific. And one of the things I mentioned, Mark Jones' book, uh, God, is, uh, um, God Is, the devotional attributes to the, um, the devotional guide to the attributes of God. He, he said, we need specifics. Is it possible that God could show more goodness to his people than to his beloved son? Think of the truth that the Father poured out wrath on his Son, in whom he was eternally pleased. How do we understand that mystery? In one sense, we can say that God was never happier with his Son than when he was most angry with them. What does this mean? The Father was always well pleased with the holiness of Christ's person, the excellency and perfections of his righteousness, the sweetness of his obedience, but he was displeased with the sins that were charged on him, and therefore it pleased him to bruise him and put him to grief with whom he was always well pleased. This understanding of our redemption leads us to say something rather provocative, that the goodness shown to us, that is to God's people, is a greater goodness to us than, for, than was for a time manifested to Christ himself. Mm-hmm. We received a greater goodness at that moment than Christ did was mm-hmm. he was punished for our sins. Yeah. You know, Phil, as we're kind of wrapping up off the air, you just shared privately how a lot of people struggle with the goodness of God, and you mentioned Luther. Yeah, and uh, I still don't remember exactly where, but Luther says that sometimes the hardest thing in the world to believe is that God is good. And particularly when when tragedy strikes, when disappointment comes, uh, when sickness comes, when, when we lose a loved one, uh, or we see a loved one suffer, um, yeah, we can we can doubt the goodness of God. 
And um, Luther, as always, uh, you know, took it back to the cross. Um, and, and another favorite writer of mine, um, Fred Beekner, uh, he said, Christians don't have an explanation of evil. Uh, Christians don't, we, we can't say, you know, yeah, we can say, yeah, there's Satan, uh, but where did he come from? And, and so we don't, have a, we don't have an explanation of evil. What we do is we point to a man nailed to a cross, an innocent man nailed to a cross, and we say there is no evil so dark, but that God will not, cannot work it for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the cross, the cross of Jesus, God, God took the greatest tragedy in human history, the execution of the innocent Son of God, and worked it for our redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the ultimate, the ultimate evil, God worked for the ultimate good. Had an elderly couple in my church. Um, the gal had a surgery; it didn't go well. She reacted poorly to the medication, um, and ended up falling, breaking several ribs. Was in the hospital a long time for rehab for what she originally went in for, and then with the broken ribs, her husband was traveling back and forth all over town to visit her. And the result of that was that he actually got pneumonia and ended up in the hospital ICU and was nearing death. And he said to me. This is an experience that went on for six to eight months. And he said, God was wanting us to love him more. And he used these things to help us love him more. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I can live an entire life preaching and not say what he just lived out in front of me. Yeah. That yeah. he was saying, God is good. And in his goodness, he sent all of these things that on an earthly perspective, we would say are awful. But they helped him love his Savior. And then it was good. Amen. Amen. And that's where we'll end for the Gospel for Life today. We hope that you um, plunge yourself into the goodness of God. If you're looking for a resource, you can just email us at info at reformationboise.com. We'd love to get back to you. Thanks.